everyone loves TV Dad. On the next TV Dad, presented by Progressive, TV Dad gets us through heartache. <laughs> Chin up, sport. Oh, hey, TV Dad. You know what heals all wounds? Time? <laughs> no, it's remembering that drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. But Jen still doesn't want to be with me. True. I actually saw her with your friend Brian earlier. Wait, what? Listen to your TV Dad. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Hello, Alex, Justin. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Welcome into the Celtics Lab, everyone, on a Wednesday afternoon where the sky is falling a little bit in Boston or great things are on the horizon. I really don't know. Uh, Danny Ainge, president of basketball operations, has retired. And we can talk about if we believe that. Brad Stevens has taken his place. He has taken a promotion and the Celtics are without a head coach. So let's break it on down. Justin, Alex, how you doing? This has been a very weird day. I had somewhat anticipated the possibility that Danny Ainge would be out as the Celtics GM. Uh, it seemed like in a situation where something was probably going to get shaken up, to me, he struck me as the most likely candidate to go. Uh, I did not anticipate that it would be anywhere close to this rapidly. And I certainly did not see Brad Stevens taking his place coming at all. So a fascinating turn of events. The Celtics offseason was already going to be weird, murky, and confusing, and now it's going to be even more so. Wild times here in Boston. Yeah, I kind of uh, also expected a a strong possibility of change, but I thought that Danny was going to give it one more shot. He sounded earlier this season like he might want to stick around, but Today, he basically said this has been in the works for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really know how long, but I mean, so much for a uh, nice calm start to the offseason, huh? Yeah, to say the least. No, Justin, you're exactly right. We had even a few weeks ago said, but Boston is the best at uh, keeping leaks out. But now looking back, uh, rumors about Brad Stevens joining Indiana and a few other kind of stories from along the way might have signaled that this has been in the works for a while. Ainge said in his press conference that uh, he had a heart attack two years ago, I believe it was, and that was a real inflection point for him and his family. That's when he really started to consider this and that dealing with the bubble, dealing with COVID, really took the wind out of his sails. Owner Wick uh, Grousebeck said, you know, we haven't been planning this, but then he also lamented that he thinks Stevens and Ainge had talked about this Uh, successorship for a long time. So perhaps we'll never really know how things shook out, but uh, let's reflect a little more on Ainge and then we'll talk about Stevens and then talk about the coach. Alex, I know that you have been critical of Ainge in some of the things that he said, and then also from a decision-making standpoint. And notably your boy, Mike Zarin was not promoted in, in this uh, changing of the guard. So what do you think of, this move from that perspective? Well, um, so I I definitely have been critical of Danny Ainge, in particular this season, and I want to acknowledge that because the thing is, Danny Ainge has been the GM for a very long time, and ultimately, 
I think it's pretty hard to look at what he did in Boston uh, between taking a franchise that really was kind of in the gutter when he took over uh, and then bringing it back to championship heights with these massive trade victories uh, for Kevin Garnett, you know, making three of the last four Eastern Conference finals in large part due to the coup of a trade against Brooklyn. Sorry, revisionist Nets fans. The Celtics won the trade. <laughs> Can't tell me that they did. There's people saying that they didn't? Yes, it's yeah. very dumb. Um, but um, so to, to acquire a championship level core with Garnett, Allen, and Pierce, and then to blow that core up and then rebuild on the fly around Stevens, Brown, and eventually Tatum and get it back to the place where they are now, where the Celtics are. A team that is certainly in transition and has some flaws. I think we all saw that in the next series, but one that nonetheless has an incredibly bright and promising future. I, I do think you have to give Danny Angel out of credit for that. Now, since the Jason Tatum trade, or the trade for the uh, pick that became Jason Tatum mm-hmm. with Philly, Ainge's track record has been a little checkered. Uh, he has taken some swings that have not worked out. Uh, he's acquired some players that uh, have struggled to fit in either because of systemic issues or because of injuries. Um, he's taken some big gambles that blew up in his face, and he has whiffed on some draft picks. And that has to be a part of this conversation, too. I think that, uh, you know, after Ainge's heart attack, based on, you know, kind of his own words and on just the Celtics track record in some of these deals, it's, it's hard to say that he's been an above average GM for the past couple of years, basically since his last great move, the Jason Chatham trade. But you do have to give him a lot of credit. Uh, he's been a huge part of the Celtics organization in the 21st century and a big part of why they are still uh, to this day, one of the league's most respected organizations. So mixed bag. I've been pretty vocal about my criticism of his roster, roster, I guess you could say talent management approach over the last several seasons with the exodus of talent. You know, each season it's been understandable and excusable, but in a league of cutthroat general managers, you just can't stumble season after season after season. And I'm actually pretty pretty impressed that he decided to make this decision. I think that it's always important to move on from a general manager before they really do become a problem. And he was on the cusp of becoming a problem. And I know, Alex, you have a lot more to say about that, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I actually, I disagree with both of you. Um, it's not fun to, well, I guess it's, it's not people's standard frame to allow for luck in sports. We really want to feel like our players, our coaches have their ha- a handle on all of it. But look, the Celtics aren't really unlucky, it, perhaps because they got so lucky. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were way better than they were supposed to be. Uh, he was correct in trading Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving. I don't know that it's Danny Ainge's fault that Kyrie Irving lied to the entire city of Boston and changed his mind in the middle of the season. I don't know that any GM would have known if or when to move on from Kyrie Irving preemptively. He was correct for not re-signing Al Horford. Al Horford wanted more money. Good for him. He should take all the money he can get. He he could have traded him first. Could have traded him first, sure. Could have also (laughs) maybe competed in the postseason if uh, their all-star point guard 
wanted to. Uh, I think holding on to Hayward to the last minute was the right move. I think they were one Hayward injury away from the finals. I think it's a bit of bad luck. I think that a few things break, no pun intended, a little differently. And Ainge looks like another genius because at least the Celtics get back to the finals. Who knows what happens from there? So uh, even his draft track record, maybe later on a different pod, we can really hammer that home. I think that there's a lot of wins there too. I think Pritchard and Time Lord and a few others would be proof positive there. So I think what Ainge did to construct the team in the context that 29 other teams and 300 something players with their own agency are up for grabs. Ainge maybe could have made Boston a more attractive place for free agents, but it's a cold, small white place to be. Danny Ainge isn't in control of that. So maybe all-star NBA players uh, like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were never going to come and uh, live out their primes in Boston. I don't know that that's on Danny Ainge. That's a different conversation, probably a little too heady for what we were asking. Um, so, Alex, you, you're not ready to move on from Ainge. <laughs> well, the only other thing I'll say is that um, you, you did mention in your prompt just now that uh, we should also talk a little bit about Mike Zarin, sure. uh, who has been the assistant GM in waiting for many years now uh, and has been widely considered uh, one of the best available GM prospects out there. He's gotten offers from numerous other teams and has turned them down. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of speculation that the reason that they tur- that he turned them down in large part is because he is he was considered the kind of appointed successor to Ainge whenever he did retire at the Celtics. That appears to not be the case. They're rocking with Brad Stevens uh, as the president of basketball operations and effective GM of the team. And Zarin uh, is staying on, at least for now. He seems to be uh, continuing on in his role as assistant GM. He sounds like he's going to be a fairly big part of the transition. Now, whether that means it's more likely that he'll take a shot at being a GM elsewhere when somebody else comes and gives him that opportunity, which will happen at some point, remains to be seen. I just think it's interesting to note that after years of Zarin being considered the heir apparent, uh, the Celtics are now going in a different direction, and Mike Zarin, at least for right now, appears to be okay with that. Well, Justin, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Zarin takes a lot of the draft load, is that correct? Yeah, so Alex, to your point, whether it's for a season or for beyond, I mean, Zarin does have his fingerprints in one specific part of front office duties. I also felt like he was pretty happy uh, not having some of the responsibilities that uh, Danny had to deal with on a day-to-day basis and the freedom to be able to, you know, pop on the Riffsman uh, fundraiser, for example. Like, that's not a really a thing that Danny can really do. The right. PR department would probably murder him for that. And, I mean, it's understandable. So, Zarin is where he is for now, and Brad Stevens uh, is the new president of basketball operations for the Celtics which perhaps has been a long time coming, perhaps is a relatively new idea. Uh, It wasn't made clear in their introductory press conference uh, that came out today, but you can go read about that press conference over on the Celtics Wire. How are we feeling about Brad Stevens as the the head of the front office? Uh, I mean, I'm sure we we were all equally surprised. I, I am starting to talk myself into it in a, a pretty serious way. And I, I think it actually makes a lot of sense, but I'm curious 
where your thoughts went immediately and how you're feeling a few hours removed from the news breaking? Either one of you. The big thing for me is that um, this promotion proves that Brad Stevens has developed some pretty serious institutional clout. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, so it sounds like, based on kind of just assume assumptions born out of today, that the reported offer from uh, Indiana University to become their head coach was probably a little more seriously considered uh, than people might have given it credit for, including myself at the time. Uh, and so him turning that down, uh, presumably because he was aware that this was going to be a possibility, um, really says something about kind of the relationship that he has with Wick Grosbeck and uh, what they think about him. I think it's fair to say that Brad Stevens is probably going to be sticking out the remainder of his contract, barring a complete collapse uh, by the Celtics organization. Uh, it's it's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch, though. So a couple more things on that. Brad obviously has no experience as a GM, but in the press conference today, it was mentioned that Brad has actually been somewhat involved in player personnel decisions. Um, I, I, I This is kind of just speculation, but with Ainge having confirmed that he was heading out the door sometime in this past season, I have some suspicions that Brad Stevens might have been involved uh, pretty heavily at the trade deadline with some of the moves that the Celtics made this year. Um, and so that's a little reassuring, I guess, for somebody who has no GM experience to have been dabbling in front office moves in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to try and take advantage of Stevens' relative youth and unfamiliarity. And uh, I think it's good that Zarin and others are still on the staff uh, such that they can kind of talk him through some of those challenges. But uh, it's a fascinating move. And, you know, Brad is a really smart guy who has been a part of basketball for a very long time. He's built relationships with players, with other coaches, with other GMs. Uh, and this will be an opportunity for him to prove that his involvement and knowledge of the game extends even further than what has largely been a stellar head coaching career. Uh, I am incredibly interested in seeing uh, how he handles his first big decision of who is going to be his successor. Yeah, I think there's actually some good evidence that he does know how to put together a team, uh, particularly when you don't have a lot of good resources, which is exactly what the Celtics need right now. Mm -hmm. Because he did it at Butler. Butler was never a beacon of college basketball until he came there. And he has turned it into a perennial powerhouse long after he's gone there, still doing well in the Big East Conference where they are now located. Um, he elevated that, that institution. I mean, I'm sure he had help, plenty of help with the recruiting staff and whatnot around him. But part of the responsibility, what you have to do is not just recognizing talent, but delegating to the right people to get the job done. So I think there's some good evidence that there may be some more transferable skills that Brett already has than maybe we might initially suspect. But on the other side of that coin is the opportunity cost. And what I mean by that is by choosing Brad Stevens, there are certain people like Mike Zarin, but also there has been rumors that Masai Ujiri might be out of his current position. Uh, uh, Kevin O'Connor is reporting that the Celtics investigated, uh, not, I'm not sure how, how much, but investigated trying to steal away Sam Presti. They may have just passed on that because he's neck deep in a very major rebuild with lots and lots of tools. Mm -hmm. And 
to be completely honest, as, as prestigious as Boston is and as good as their roster potential can be, uh, I would be very hard-pressed as someone who likes to tinker with that kind of stuff as just for fun. Yeah. I would be very hard-pressed to walk away from that. So they might have just been trying to save themselves the embarrassment of being turned down. But there's, there's a very real possibility of the people they didn't bring in. And let's be honest, this is a very critical stage. We could be looking at another long rebuild if this, this next season or so ends up getting botched. Uh, I really like the, the Brad move. First, I hadn't thought of this until, Alex, you started talking. I've, I'm going to choose to believe, starting right now, that Brad Stevens floated the Indiana rumors himself and that he has the 3D chess uh, galaxy brain abilities to be a GM in this league because he knows how to play the media. I don't know that that's true. It's probably not, but I'm going to choose to believe that. Uh, he said at his press conference he thinks he's, he's qualified for the job because he understands how uh, the structure of decision-making works really well in Boston. I think that's important. Uh, he understands who the stakeholders are. And he was really uh, clear that he wants to make sure that all of the stakeholders are heard from. And I think that that's, even if it's lip service, it's it's really good lip service. I also suspect uh, Brad Stevens will be really good at networking. One of the things that Danny Ainge was so uh, instrumental in is, is just the Rolodex that he had. He knew a ton of people and made a lot of connections. It's, there's a reason he keeps doing sign and trades with Phoenix and Charlotte because he has buddies across the league. Uh, concurrently with this podcast, I'm writing about potential coaches. Maybe we'll talk about that later. And if you go to random games in January against the Bulls, against the Thunder, against these kind of random teams, you really learn that Brad Stevens met everyone when he was a coach in college. He's one of those guys that everyone has a story. Oh, Brad Stevens was so warm. He invited me over for dinner. Yeah, we had a good relationship. Because again and again, I'm doing this research and I'm finding that everyone has a Brad Stevens story from the early 20 teens. And those are the types of people that are assistant coaches now that are working in front offices. I have tepid optimism that Brad Stevens has one of those sneaky Rolodexes. So that, that gives me... Uh, great interest in what happens next with Stevens and happens next with the coach and with the team. And the the most important thing in the Rolodex, maybe we'll get to if we talk about coaching candidates, Alex, you were telling me um, that Sam Cassell has the best odds in Vegas, uh, which Justin has confirmed in our notes. Uh, Chauncey Billups is also up there. uh, A few in-house people as well. Who do you both of you off the cuff have as, people you suspect might be hired or people you want to see hired? Um, I, I have a candidate coming to mind that I think um, it's, it's a little outside the box, but uh, you know, I think this candidate has proven championship level experience uh, in a variety of different aspects of the game uh, as a player, as a coach and as a GM. Uh, I'm of course referring to me, your co-host, <laughs> the Boston Celtics lab podcast, uh, having won a championship as a player in the BSSC Mixed Gender Basketball League in 2018, as well as as a sixth grade boys basketball assistant coach at the Chestnut Hill School and multiple time champ as GM. Uh, I think I would be an ideal candidate. I obviously have the media relationships aspect of the job down as well. No, I'm just Mm -hmm. kidding. But um, 
So a couple of candidates that jump out to me, Cassell is definitely a big one. Um, the, the Vegas odds thing, that's been kind of shifting and it depends on who you ask. There are other sites I've seen that put Jay Laranega as the favorite, uh, depending on where you look. But Cassell has a relationship with the organization, check, um, having been a part of their championship team, most recent championship team. Uh, he's a very well-respected uh, former NBA veteran, uh, and he has been really making his way up the coaching circuit uh, with assistant gigs and to become one of the hotter prospects out there. So that's a big one to watch, along with Chauncey Billups, who has been floated as a head coaching candidate for a number of different uh, positions uh, in these past couple of coaching cycles. He hasn't nailed down one of them, but he's been interviewed for a lot of them. Uh, Ime Udoka, uh, mm-hmm. former Spurs assistant, Big is time. another name to watch for sure. Uh, and Becky Hammond, a similar Spurs assistant. I, I don't think Hammond is going to leave personally. I think Hammond has in all likelihood been given uh, some notice that she is going to be Pop's designated successor. Sure. Um, but uh, those are some of the names that interest me. I have also long been in favor of giving Jerry Stackhouse a look. Uh, he cool. has Very cool. a ton of experience, uh, both as a player, um, as he's the current head coach at Vanderbilt. Uh, so you'd have a connection with Aaron Neesmith, among other things. Mm-hmm. And um, he is perhaps most notably a former G League coaching championship or coaching champion with the Toronto Raptors G League affiliate. So uh, I think Stackhouse is definitely a name to watch if he can be yanked from Vandy. We will see. I could also, I, I love all those candidates. Those are basically all the, the same candidates <laughs> that I'm interested in as well. For all the same reasons, incredibly compelling podcasting, I know. But there's also the possibility of thieving a head coach. Uh, mm-hmm. From an unattractive situation, uh, Stephen Silas from the Houston Rockets comes to mind. Interesting. Maybe even Borrego from the Charlotte Hornets. They are not necessarily as bad of a situation by a long shot as the Houston Rockets, but I mean, it's also, other than very recently, the owner has not had a good record at doing what needs to be done. So Stevens is really guarded with his philosophy here. And Alex and I were talking about this before we got things kicked off. Are the Jays old enough that they just need kind of a leader? Or do they still need an X's and O's coach or something in between? And I don't know the answer to that. Someone that I'm really interested in. So uh, Adrian Wojnarowski recently, a few hours ago, said the Celtics might be looking at people who are currently coaching in the postseason. So we don't know what this timeline will look like. And that brings Mike D'Antoni into the fold. Uh, the cat just love, love, love a high powered offense. And I love, I love a good mustache. So I'd love to see the cat uh, get a look at the sidelines again as a head coach. And Alex mentioned uh, Chauncey Billups. I believe Chauncey Billups is one of the almost like pilot programs for clutch sports coaching representation. And this is, Maybe not something to put all your eggs, a basket to put all your eggs into, but Boston is not in the favor of clutch sports. There's just no way around it that LeBron and co don't particularly like the Boston Celtics for real reasons and petty reasons. It would be really helpful for, I think, the future of the Boston Celtics to be in the favor of clutch sports, not 
kissing the ring, not bending the knee, but having a working relationship with that organization in the future of the NBA might be really important. And Chauncey Billups, for a bunch of reasons, might be a really good head coach, might uh, bring a little gusto to the sidelines as a former player, but also making that connection might be life or death in the 2020s in the NBA. So I don't know, something to consider perhaps. One thing that you just mentioned, Cam, that I wanted to quickly jump in on, sorry, Justin, um, uh, is that, so you mentioned that uh, hiring a coach, uh, it's going to be interesting considering what uh, is going to be the best way to kind of maximize the talents of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Celtics to pillar stars who I think along with Marcus Smart are probably not going anywhere based off of this hire. Um, I, I think one thing to consider is that those guys are likely also going to have a pretty significant degree of input as to who this person will be. Brad Stevens is new to the job of GM, but has, you know, kind of established strong relationships in the Celtics organization. And the arguably the place that he has the strongest relationships with are the players, uh, in particular, the players who have been here for the majority of his tenure, in this case, Mark Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. So I think that those guys are going to have a significant say as to who this coach ultimately ends up being. And I wouldn't be surprised by that logic if uh, the Celtics do one of two things, which is either uh, hire internally um, mm-hmm. Perhaps with uh, Jay, Jay Laranega and God, I'm, I'm blanking on Jerome the name. Allen and Jerome Allen of the other uh, kind of head coaching or, or head coaching prospects that are already in the Celtics organization. Uh, and another thing to consider is that I think uh, it would strike me as very plausible that they would be looking at ex players pretty heavily, people who have been in the NBA and know what it's like to go through the grind of the playoffs and try and compete for titles at the highest level. So just some thoughts Jason there. Kidd. Okay. Uh, we don't, we, we could, we could Sorry, not talk. I just spilled that. my drink. Sorry. <laughs> don't need to do that. Uh, J- Jason Kidd, if you're listening, Boston is really cold in the winter and it seems like you're having a great time in LA. So uh, Jason, no need to apply here. Brother. We'll have our people call your people. Yeah. Well, let's close it out. Uh, Alex, you made an interesting assertion that Marcus Smart is safe moving forward. It's worth considering the 2022 free agency class is out of control good. And if the Celtics want to punt on the, the upcoming season, let the coach get their legs out from under them, perhaps on a slightly revamped roster and then really retool for 2022. That could be the case. So if it's a freshman coach, a first-year coach, maybe that's all part of the plan. Uh, so, Justin, I'm going to put you on the spot. Alex says that Smart is safe. What do you think? I don't know that anyone other than Jason Tatum is safe. I really don't. I, I would mm-hmm. like to think that Smart is safe, but, I mean, again, you know, we, we, we talked about this when Sopan Deb was on. There is this problem that the Celtics have had with retaining talent, and they can't afford to keep losing talent. So unless they are very confident that Marcus Smart is going to resign for a number they can afford, it's very likely, I think, that he is going to be at least in the mix to be moved this season. And part of that is just a product of what uh, contracts you have to move. I think it has already been reported that the Celtics will shop Kemba Walker 
which parenthetically I'll add, <laughs> duh, uh, good luck. <laughs> I think that the roster is going to have to look different. Uh, and I think you're right. I think my heart really wants to see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum play together. I think that uh, my brain and my eyes, when I look at the Celtics cap sheet, disagree. Uh, it will be interesting to see what sort of pivot is available to them other than of course the cp3 uh schroeder kemba walker three-team deal that i have been meticulously planning for weeks now uh alex you think smartest staying what do you think happens with kemba if at all uh well that's the next domino which is that i i you can't keep both smart and kemba logistically it's just not possible and uh i think kemba is the odd man now and i think that it might require attaching a first round pick to make that happen but uh you know if you look at the example of our twin basketball twin team the philadelphia 76ers who seem to be down when we're up and who seem to be up when we're down um they made a huge move last summer uh, moving Al Horford off and burning a first round pick to do it. And the results have been spectacular. They look great. And, you know, obviously the news on Joel and Beat's health is troubling, but prior to that, and maybe going forward, they look like a serious threat to win the Eastern Conference. So I think Kemba is in all likelihood the odd man out for the Celtics rotation heading into next year. I think the reason I say smart is because... Uh, it would just be such a difficult thing for Brad Stevens in particular, I think, to deal Marcus Smart. Those guys have such a tight relationship uh, and have been together through so many wars. And I think Brad really has come to rely on Marcus as his coach on the floor. So I, I would just be really surprised if Brad is able to pull the trigger on a deal involving any one of those three guys. Um, but... Everyone else, I think, I agree, Justin, is not safe at all. Kemba, Tristan, I, I don't even think that Rob is necessarily safe. I would no. like Rob to be a part of the team, but uh, I don't think it's a guarantee. Um, you know, I, I think pretty much everybody else on this team uh, has a real possibility of being dealt this offseason. Well, thankfully, uh, we have a number of weeks to get to that because uh, – the Celtics also lost a basketball game this week and thus their season ended. We, I think we'll, we'll let the dust settle and we can reflect on the season and a podcast moving forward. And certainly we have a lot to talk about, about the draft and trades and player expectations and coaches and all that jazz. So we will save that for a future date. I'm going to close. I'll put you both on the spot again. Uh, I'll give you 10 seconds each you get 10 seconds to say something from the heart to Danny Ainge and something from the heart to Brad Stevens and then vice versa. And just cause I'm a nice guy, I'll go first. Danny Ainge. Thank you for the big three Celtics. Thank you for Ubuntu. Uh, I really don't think that you handled Kyrie Irving's uh, comments about racism recently all that well, but I wish you all the luck in the world and your eventual run for governor of Utah. Uh, that's going to suit you really well. Stevens. Good luck. Uh, I think you have good instincts. Trust them. Uh, if you want to come on this podcast as opposed to going on the radio every other day, that would work well with us. We are all ears uh, and open hearts here at the Celtics Lab podcast, Mr. Stevens. So, uh, Justin, 10 seconds on the clock to Danny Ainge and to Brad Stevens. 
So I kind of hinted at this earlier with my comments about Danny, but Danny, um, again, thank you for the 20 almost years that you have given to this organization and the amazing things you have achieved, uh, sometimes just pulling things seemingly out of thin air. One of the hardest things to do when you love your job is knowing when it's best to move on. And I give you a lot of credit for that. I, I agree. I think that you have made the right decision. And I think you made the right decision with Brad. And we may be proven wrong with time. But for now, I think it's, it's worth, you know, believing in everything that has gotten him to the point where he is being something that will continue on to the future. And if nothing else for Brad, I think the thing to do is look at Danny Ainge and look at how he was mercilessly aggressive in his pursuit of greatness when he came to Boston. And, you know, things like heart attacks and global pandemics and such are plenty good reason to fall off of your game a little bit. But again, to say the same thing I said to Danny, knowing when to quit is as important as knowing what to do. So keep that in mind for the long term. Yeah, all right. Uh, to Danny Ainge, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Thank you for 17, uh, banner number 17, and thank you for getting out of the way for 18. I think that's about as good as I can sum it up. Uh, I think he did a great job setting up for that 18, but it was time to step aside, and so I appreciate it. Uh, for Brad Stevens, you're the man now, Brad. Congratulations. You are the head honcho, and uh, you have to respect all of that that comes with it. So congrats to you. Good luck. Uh, and my cover letter and resume will be on your desk shortly. It's a great resume. I've seen it. Uh, all right. Well, to anyone who has seen me and Alex Bollig in Somerville, come on down. Best of luck. Uh, Dr. Quinn, enjoy transcribing interviews. And I hope the news, I hope the news slows down for all you dookies out there. As a Cameron crazy myself, uh, nah, I don't care. I don't care about college basketball. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully uh, next time we talk, there's a new head coach in Boston. <laughs> <laughs>